0: Welcome to the Fearless Warrior Podcast. This is a place where truth is shared, taboos are disrupted, secrets are revealed, and power is gained. I'm your host, Danny Temras, and it is my personal mission to empower women in becoming the best version of themselves. Each week, I'm bringing you inspiring guests to help you build your confidence and mental toughness so that you can live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the next episode of the Fearless Warrior Podcast. My guest for today's show is Kyle Miran. Kyle is a true warrior at heart. At the age of 32, Kyle battled stage 4 brain cancer. And while doctors encouraged him not to make big hopes, he was determined to come out victorious in this fight, and he did. Kyle is a professional photographer, filmmaker, documentarian, and author of a book, Brain Status Unremarkable which he shares his story of beating cancer and empowering others to do the same for them. In this episode, Kyle and I talk about the philosophy of being like water that probably saved his life, Zen Buddhism, and the influence of Japanese culture on his personal growth. The silver lining of Kyle's story and his victory over cancer is the importance of mastering your mind, your thoughts, and your emotions, choosing your future instead of waiting around to see what happens. If you enjoy this episode, please share it with somebody who needs to hear this message and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts so that we can better spread the message of empowerment to other listeners like you. And if you're like me and are constantly juggling many balls, do sign up for my weekly newsletter on danielantemras.com so that you never miss a new episode. And now let's dive into the interview. Kyle, thank you so much for spending some time with us on the show. Welcome to the Fearless Warrior podcast.
1: Danny, I'm honored to be here with you. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for for being here. Um, Kyle, I gave a little intro about you, but why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself?
1: Yeah, well, I'm a father of two young boys. They're more dinosaur than human. I am a photographer, filmmaker, and now newly author and speaker. And I'm uh, very excited about the future here because there's a lot of chaos right now. And it seems that these industries are rather important and maybe a little valuable now. So I think I made the right move. I'll start out, you know, college was great. I didn't end up getting, you know, I didn't graduate, but I learned what I didn't want to do. That's for sure. It was important. I was a college athlete. I learned a lot about teamwork there and, again, understanding that you do have to put in the work if you're going to be as good as you want to be. I ended up pretty much just partying in college and didn't take it serious at all. And after basketball, I got injured and I just dropped out. I figured I don't know what else to do. So I went down and took a bartending course in Milwaukee, Wisconsin and became a pro bartender certificate. And I was living in the upper part of Michigan. That's pretty much the most special and one of the most beautiful places on the planet. There's a special breed of people called Yupers up there. It's the longest story it could be, but I will say that I ended up making it to the Midwest, Fort Wayne, Indiana. And, you know, we're raising a family. And I got into the documentary world. And then... I was in more of a video production for social media role. And now I have written a book and I am going into more of the speaking influencer role moving forward.
0: You mentioned this briefly yourself, but from what I understand, you started uh, your career in the photography business. So I'm curious, what brought you to this profession and how did you get to filmmaking?
1: Yeah, that, that's, that's a really great question. And I, I do have a pretty solid story for you. Well, when I was 20 years old, I got into a lot of trouble. I got a drunk driving, got a probation violation. So in the span of four months, I was arrested twice. And my old man, my dad, told me that he never wanted to see me again. He just said that you have to leave. So at the time, I went to Yellowstonejobs.com and found a bartending job in the middle of Yellowstone National Park. And... Headed out west and out there, I mean, it's just, this was like when the Razor phone was still there. Your demographic probably doesn't remember what the Razor phone was, but you couldn't really take great pictures with it. But I did end up getting a small camera out there and I mean, I just realized just the kingdom of heaven I was in. photography and for spirit and my first photos were just brilliant it was hard to take a bad photo I mean mountains and streams and Yellowstone but there was this one moment where I was still at a very very low place I mean I just got banished by my dad and I just kept sabotaging everything in my life and I never really knew why but it just always happened that every time I made it to where I needed to be I would Pretty much do drugs or alcohol and screw it all up. So at Canyon Falls in Canyon Village, in the middle of Yellowstone, there's just this, it's like a 250, 300 foot waterfall. It's gorgeous. And there was this particular hangover morning where I walked down to the canyon. And I mean, Danny, I wasn't going to kill myself. It wasn't that bad. But I I sat on the ledge and I, I looked down and I just saw the kingdom of heaven. It was right there. There's like four or five rainbows going through this waterfall with falcons and think ospreys just flying through it and disappearing. And I, was, and I just knew that this, is, this was God. And that's when I started just understanding the concept of stopping time, like with photography and just stopping the moment. Today, we really do take for granted how easy it is to just stop time and manipulate it, you know. But once I realized... That there was a certain presence behind the lens that was able for you to snap these images and stop time. It was a sacred moment. And I just knew that I was gonna be stopping time the rest of my life. I made a lot of money bartending out there, actually. It's a very, very busy place, definitely. I made I called my dad, because this was enough to pay off all of my legal fees. And he said, Yeah, you can come back. So I came back and I had a whole, whole new insight. I was a brand new man. I picked up a book, was the first thing I could tell you. I picked up this book while reading it in a stream, pretty much, called the Tao Te Ching. It's usually the case, but it, would you be surprised that it's the second most printed book in the world, other than the Bible? Yeah, and it's it's more of a, definitely more of a Chinese philosophy of the way, and more of a Taoism, where you go with the flow like a yin yang, like a water, like this constant circle of life. And when I picked this book up and started reading it, it wasn't enlightening in the sense of what was in it. It was a realization that I lacked so much depth, I guess, of understanding. or the My vessel was definitely not ready for what was in that book, but at least it piqued my interest and brought me to a, a level of wondering, like, how deep does this go then? So I came back with just an honest curiosity to the, figure out how I can use my superpowers. I started getting these understandings now that were making sense now. So I came back. I was honored to be back. And I ended up picking up this other book called The Secret. Have you read The Secret Yes. by Rhonda Byrne? I've read that one. So once I figured out how the law of attraction, how powerful that is, like as a mental, soulful, emotional magnet, and then I coupled that with what I learned about the Tao Te Ching and being like water with things, then you start acting without expectations. You start acting with just the knowing that whatever is supposed to happen will, which is really powerful. So within 10 days of reading that secret, I plowed through it. I started my first photography business. I could see it all working out already.
0: You've also spent some time documenting um, or or making documentaries. Uh, So what, what has brought you on this path or how has your kind of business evolved over the years?
1: That's another great question. It's lining up perfectly because our wedding business ended up taking off. We got enough to where we had a really great portfolio. So the first year, we ended up doing three weddings. Second year, probably double digits. But the last three years, we went from 30 back to back 30-some weddings a year. So then at this point, I got back into that sabotage place. I started drinking a lot more, and I started celebrating victories before they happened. Probably getting too big of an ego about things. And I I don't know what it was, but... I was not performing what I was supposed to be doing. I don't think I was the best person and the best intentions either. Just didn't really have a real purpose. But then there was a wonderful wedding, probably one of the best weddings I did of a local Thai restaurant owner. Her name is Oy La LaChapelle. And she had this project that she did every year was where she took all of her tips from her restaurant and she donated all those funds over to two orphanages in Thailand to pay for the entire school, the supplies, the socks, shoes, food for two orphanages that she went to growing up. And the whole purpose for that was so that these schools could remain open so the parents could drop their kids off instead of selling them into prostitution. So it was a very noble thing to do, and she did it every year. So finally... I just said, you know, Oi, could I follow you on your trip and photograph you and put together a book for you so that you could have this for future donations if you don't have your business, you know? And she said that would be fantastic. So back then, Kickstarter was the big thing. like That was the only thing, actually. This was in 2010. She, we raised 8,000 bucks and I had an assistant photographer and we went over to Thailand and documented the whole thing and were able to come back and video. And that was our first real documentary of documenting the, the actual process and the reaction and the result and all these joyful, happy kids over there. After that, I realized politics are tough. Politics are really a shame sometimes because. Out of all the big growth that we had, everything was going so great with this message, and I wanted to get it on PBS. And it just turned out when you try to get too high or too big, you end up like losing control of it. You don't really get to control what happens. So, what would have happened is if it would have been bought by this bigger situation, Oi might have been deported for the IRS showing up and saying something about where did all these tips go? Mm -hmm. It would have went quickly from a feel good to a, you might have messed up this entire thing. And that's just where I realized that even though we have intentions, and we're giving it our all on things, you still might be destroying something else. There's negative and positive consequences to everything we're doing. I learned that in Thailand and that whole process of things. So I started Realizing my effectiveness as a human mind with all the weddings that I've done and the characters that I've met and the people that I've managed and all these personalities and emotions. And I realized, like with documentaries, a big part of it is conducting interviews and actually getting exactly the message that I need to film for my story out of your mouth (laughs) without telling them script by script what I need from you. So this is where my documentaries are very powerful. There's a scene in the Matrix where this, like today you would call it waking up. There's this scene where these two characters, one has all of this power to show this other, he's like the chosen one to save the world. And he says, I'm going to tell you something here that once I tell you it, you won't be able to go back. And think any other way it's called being red pilled because you either take the red pill to never go back or take the blue pill and stay where you're at and right now we are in a massive red pill situation for our entire world there's a tough time right now as human beings to know what to do next but that doesn't mean we have to fear it but it's just a it's if we have to address it right now, like we don't know really what's going on, and that's okay. It's just we got to get very human about this and take responsibility on what we're going to do with our lives.
0: Hundred percent. This is what adult life, right? Especially is, is kind of all about like really rising up to what it means to be a human, of being responsible for your life, taking action, taking ownership. No matter what happens in your life, good or bad, you deal with it without blaming others and. You deal with the challenges that come along, right? Which I believe you would have a lot to say about as a cancer survivor or cancer thriver. So this was a good segue taking ownership. So let's dive into this. In 2016, you were diagnosed with stage four brain cancer. What were your immediate thoughts after you've heard your diagnosis?
1: Well, I probably saying that wrong now with the diagnosis, but I was in. It was November 11th, and at this point migraines were crazy my head always felt like it was going to explode and I had double vision so uh, Liza my wife at the time she brought me to the emergency room and the first scan of my brain I was already in a smock because I could barely see but they already they already could tell I was fading but the first scan the nurse came back and she goes Mr. Miran we found something and I said thank god because it was the geez, tough three months. And she said, we found a mass three quarters of a golf ball sized tumor on your cerebellum. And the doctors are recommending emergency brain surgery. So I looked over at Eliza, who was pregnant, big belly sticking out. And she just looked at me, daddy with just this fierce, fucking attitude. Just like, And kind of just glared right at me. And I just looked at her too, like, we fucking got this. That's what we both said telekinesisly to each other. And I said, all right, what do we do? Let's do it. So they got me prepped for surgery. And the next day, I went into emergency brain surgery. So it wasn't really quite a diagnosis yet. But right after the surgery, I was diagnosed. But that wasn't, I didn't really wake up for three more days.
0: So literally within days uh, from, the initial prognosis, right? You went into surgery right away and you didn't even blink the first time they they told you or like you say, okay, maybe that's a little surprising, but we'll deal with it. That that was the answer.
1: I knew I was going to die around the age of 32 since I've been eight years old. And I was and am a reincarnated samurai. I've heard people chuckle and laugh at it, but I'm not kidding you. I have been a warrior since I've been born. And there's a picture of me at eight years old with the sword just staring right at the camera because it was an understanding that I will always be a warrior. And a samurai warrior operates on an understanding that he could die in the next breath. Always. It's called the Bushido way or Bushido, the way of the warrior. And if you honestly have that type of awareness, understanding, acceptance that this could be your last breath right now, you spend a majority of your life kind of not focusing on death, but knowing innately that it's right there. It's just always right there. When you spend enough time in that space of knowing, many perspectives change, you know? So When they said that, it was more of a prophecy that I was ready to do this. If I was going to die, I'll come back. This isn't it. This isn't my end game. I'm looking at this belly and I'm talking to God. I'm saying, man, you better tell me what I need to do because I got an appointment to skip stones into a lake with my son. So it was an honest conversation with my creator. I just didn't accept it.
0: You were actually preparing yourself for this moment ever since you have started studying the Japanese culture or the Samurais. And when you heard that, you weren't a surprised because you were prepared how to deal with that situation. Yep. So you said you woke up three days after the surgery. What followed after?
1: Well, after the first surgery, there was just a massive amount of blood and buildup. In my of liquid buildup in my brain. So they had to do a second surgery to put in a shunt. And I don't know if you're familiar with a shunt, but it's this government plastic tube that goes from your brain down to your stomach to release fluid. So I'm a cyborg for the rest of my life. But during that, just the initial day after that surgery, um, Eliza told me that I was in pretty extensive pain And she said, all I was whispering was be like water, like be like water, be like water. I just kept saying it and it didn't look so good for me. But then on the fourth day, I just really bounced back and made leaps and bounds. And my eyesight kind of came back and I couldn't really move much, but I had my awareness back, which was important.
0: Were you aware that you were whispering, be like water?
1: Oh, no, I was in a very much a comatose state. I do not remember that. It was a lot of pain. I mean, I just remember the staples and just the crunchiness of moving your head was so gross.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine how, how painful it, it must have been. I'm really impressed to hear that your belief and the being so much embedded into this philosophy of being like water, there was so much embedded into your subconscious that in that moment when you probably needed the most... You- Your body is that to help you get through that recovery process.
1: That's definitely part of it. The other aspect I think would be a good segue now is that the Japanese and the samurai particularly, they actually practice Zen Buddhism. Some of them practice Shintoism, which is a spirit and everything that is matter. But Zen was just an ancient, unbelievably powerful form of stilling your mind. So that there's literally nothing, you know, just imagine your mind as a still pond with no ripples. And then once you get to that point, that type of Zen mindset, your ego is no longer here. You're, you yourself aren't here anymore. And I'll tell you flat out, this is a big, bold concept. But if you anybody wants to research Zen and the powerful quantum physics behind it, I've And of the believer that in many ways, this cancer that does show up in you, it actually does have an intelligence to it. It's understanding that it is eating you. And for it to eat you as an identity, that means that you have to be here. But with Zen, you take your spirit to a different place. You take your awareness to a place where cancer doesn't exist. I know that's a big concept. But, there are a lot of different dimensions happening at one time that we are unaware of, and we don't think that we have control, but it we do, and that one of the things that's been like redacted from so much is the power of our thoughts and how they impact so much more than what we think they do. So what happens when you turn your thoughts off, Danny? I believe it's different for everyone. that's the best part, and that's the challenge for all of us. It's to reconnect with that stillness. Because again, that's where we were created to self-heal. We were from the very beginning. We were created by a frequency to self-heal ourselves.
0: I personally believe as a, as a health coach that given half a chance, the body will heal itself by itself. It's a philosophy I was taught as I was doing my own health coaching certificate, but also something I, I do believe. There's so much we don't know about or bodies or about the mind body connections. So I think that is extremely powerful. Now I am interested, how did you tap into that power of mind while you were still going through the recovery? Because I think it didn't end with the surgery. There were probably other procedures that followed.
1: Okay. Well, I wanna say here, you know, the power of the mind can only get you so far. You have to couple it with some sort of faith. Okay? And this is where you know my message is is, it's being tough to kind of put into the right context because everyone has their own faith, right? Purpose isn't quite enough. There needs to be a reason much higher to the why. Who is what is giving you this purpose? And connecting to that ultimately is the self healing process that we described earlier. So specifically. I will get into some details. The tumor that I had was very rare for a 31 year old person, the 32 year old person to get the tumor that I had was actually a toddler's tumor. It was called a medulla blastoma, which had an 85% healing rate, survival rate in toddlers. Very, very good. I, however, had three other little tendrils forming in the middle of my brain that I don't know if that, I don't think that's a medullablastoma, but it's, you know, some other tumors. So I had to get a specific type of radiation called proton radiation, which I really hope there's more of these around the world. At the time, I think there was only three or four in the United States. One was in Houston, one out on the East Coast, and one was in Chicago. So I'm in Fort Wayne. So I was able and lucky enough to go to this proton radiation treatment center at Northwestern. But it was tough days because the doctor, Dr. Laffanier, one of my favorite guys in the world, he said, Kyle, you have a children's tumor. Let's look at this as common sense, he said. If we double the doses, that would make this as like a, at least 100%, right? Because it's doubling what would normally have been done. I'm a fit guy. This is usually for young kids. So sure enough, they doubled the treatment. So I had to do a radiation and chemotherapy every single day on and off either, you know, every week for five days for a whole month. And there's a chapter in my book talking about when you go through these treatments, make sure that you have a relationship with your God so that you can have a conversation during these pivotal moments where you're receiving this crazy treatment. And that's where I started. I'll tell you a funny story. Um, these massive machine proton radiation assistants that are running it, they're young kids. They're like 24, 25, 23. And my first day of this treatment, they had some really shitty music playing. I mean, really bad stuff. I can't do a lot of modern day stuff, but it was hard to hear. And that was the worst treatment because the music was so painful. I couldn't get into my mind. Mm -hmm. Like I just... It didn't even sound like music. I didn't even know. It. it sounded like slobbering something horrible. Anyway, the next day I had to go in for the same treatment. But this time I came in with my iPhone with my playlist that had Nirvana and it had 90s alternative. So I knew that I would put me in my space that I needed to be right. Right here is a big part of my favorite quotes is I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. And I mean that because I know myself much better than others. So I am very trustworthy in the environment that I want. So during those moments and with my relationship and conversations with God and my epic playlist, I, with God's help, grabbed laser almost. And I started carving out this tuber with him and enjoying it. And being a part of the moment and melting into this moment so I could become the healing.
0: Is this making sense? Totally. You visualize the healing within you.
1: Yeah. Well, again, when you put yourself in a Zen space, you are the healing. Like this is the power of the human brain. You know, Bruce Lee said that there was nothing more powerful than the human will. Think about it. You know, a lot of people get caught up on the words, uh, you know, when they talk about Jesus moving mountains or you know, moving mountains. It's a daunting thought to think about picking up this mountain. You must be a giant or you start thinking that way. Well, what if moving mountains now was more or less this crazy laser that shoots at the mountain and busts it up into tiny little fragments, dust particles, and then you just blow it away? Why can't it be like that? It's still moved. So that's where I'm coming from because I got and received my education through traveling the world and having a 12-year relationship with my creator. Like that's what's given me this cleaner perspective right now and this relentless attitude towards knowing much truth that a lot of people don't. You know, I've been to Thailand, India, Japan, Scotland, all on very important self-seeking and monumental experience-driven pilgrimages in a way while creating documentaries. I've spent time at temples in Japan, India, and Thailand praying to what I found is a same frequency. It's this kingdom of heaven frequency, Zen, Nirvana, Satori. All religions have a name for it. I prefer Christ consciousness. That's it. I want to still my brain, still my mind, make it so pure of thought and make my next thoughts his thoughts. And you will be amazed by what happens in your life.
0: Faith plays such a big role in our lives. So uh, it's it's so great that you were able to leverage that really at that time when you needed it the most, but also that you explored other religions and learned really from different types of wisdom around the world. So I think that can open our minds in so many different ways. So thank you for for sharing that with us. Now, I'm curious. So while um, you were going of going through the, the radiation chemotherapy, and you had that faith, you had a strong mind and the mindset of a samurai, what other actions did you take to make sure that you would actually come out victorious at the end? Because you had that Conviction, right, that you were going to recover, right? That was the mindset you were going in with from the start.
1: You know, I wasn't grieving for anything. I was in this state of knowing what I need to do. I ate nothing but local foods and I had chaga, mushroom, tea. I also um, took a lot of bone broth that my family loaded me up with. And I, again, this was, these are all luxury items, and it helped me in more ways than you'll ever know because this whole combination of unreal healthy foods, rest, and luckily, the other biggest thing that I talk about in the book is I called a lot of people. I got a hold of a lot of people, and I told every one of them that I'm kicking the shit out of this cancer. I told every one of them that I already got this beat and that send me happy prayers and don't worry about me. I mean, even though I was tired and could barely move some days, I wanted to let everybody know that it's not my time to go. So and I meant it.
0: Yeah, this is great. I think connection can be so powerful and is so powerful. At the end, we are social beings, right? And we do depend on each other in in a good way, right? I'm not... For sure. um, Now people are dependent in many different ways, but... From the very beginning, we grew up in tribes, right? That's
1: exactly it. But however, in today's age, and I write about this in the book too, it's like, there are also toxic people in your life. I talk about cancer not being so much as a physical tumor all the time. It could be very much a relationship cancer, a addiction cancer, a mental illness cancer.
0: What would be any like final message you'd like to share with the audience today?
1: Okay, I talked about a lot of very, very deep stuff today. But there's people thinking, well, I'm not a samurai. And I don't do this. And I never left my city. Well, you know, how am I going to be able to relate to this? So I want to make it very clear for you. You can reach this exact state that I'm talking about every single day of your life. And I got this advice at my wedding, on my wedding day, in the thank you line. My good friend Jeff Britton, who edited my book, he said, "Kyle, there's going to be days where you and your wife are going to be fighting about something, and you will not know what to do about it. You won't even understand what she's saying. All I could tell you is do the dishes." <laughs> he just said, "Do the dishes," and I laughed. La- I, I laughed in the thank you line when he said it, and then I, you know, I thought, "Okay, that's that's great," but I got to tell you. I never thought that doing the dishes would have actually saved my life because while I was in my Hyatt house hotel room with the kitchenette and the dishes were piled up because I had no energy to do them, I realized how sacred this moment truly was because when I turned that water on, I felt my human body touch this absolutely beautifully warm water and my mind went somewhere it's never been. And I realized what I was doing. I was already washing away the filth and the demons of my day. I was already there. And I added soap and I started washing it. and then I realized I'm cleansing my environment. My immediate environment is being cleansed. And my body started giving off a frequency of cleaning, of actually cleaning the space, my space right now. But then I felt myself go deeper and I realized that my zen Meditation training was already showing up, but it just allowed my human being to feel being human again. So at this time, I like when I have a lot of dishes to do, because what this is, is the exact situation of Zen mind that I'm talking about. This is Christ consciousness. Every time you do the dishes, you have the opportunity to take a different perspective with your mind and choose your next thoughts so carefully. And that is the exact ripples of how the universe works. You don't get to choose when those ripples land on the shore. That's not your choice, but you have to create them. So when you create these ripples of thought, they become matter in your life. I started in those dishes moments every second, either saying a prayer or saying cancer doesn't exist here. Every second, it was one or the other. And I ended up being cancer-free in four months. So now we're at a point where they're going to have to start proving us wrong. And that's where I'm just going to end it is just never forget the power of your will and your thoughts and the creator behind your thoughts. That's all that matters in this world, along with family.
0: Wow. Kyle, thank you so much for for sharing that. I think this was a great way to end this episode. I really thank you for, for taking the time with us. And you have to Ram, If you could give me a one sentence definition of what a warrior means to you, what would it be?
1: Wow. No one has ever asked me that. Mm. Be willing to be a servant.
0: Great. Be willing to be a servant. Terrific. Kyle, thank you so much for today. This was fantastic. Thank you. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you and ask some more questions?
1: Okay, yeah, kylemiron.com. And then my book, you can get a free copy of my book right now, 5millionbrains.com. Download the free PDF. If you know anybody with cancer right now or has just been diagnosed, please send them to 5millionbrains.com.
0: Absolutely. We'll put that uh, all in the show notes. And let this message be a hope to you. that No matter what struggles uh, you face in life, you can get through them. There is a warrior inside of you. So use him or her to get to the other side of the river. Kyle, thank you uh, for your time and for single over.
1: This was wonderful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. We'll talk really soon.
0: Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you for spending some time with me. And most of all, for investing time in yourself. If you found value in this podcast, share it with your friends and family and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to our episodes. This will greatly help us spread the word and help others find it more easily. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at denny Timras. Shoot me a note and let me know what you thought of today's conversation. I always welcome any feedback or questions. Remember... Now that you're here, you're part of a tribe. In this tribe, we care for each other. We lift each other up as well as share the raw, honest, unpolished truth that we often need to hear. So before you go, think about the next best action you can take to get you on your path to success. Don't wait for tomorrow. Make a commitment and do it now. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, have a great day.